Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. KFI AM640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. All right. Well, if you're just tuning in, a decision was made by a jury in New York City to award a woman who accused Donald Trump of rape uh, $5 million. Her name is E. Jean Carroll. They did not find Trump liable for rape, but for sexually abusing her and also defamation. And their decision came to almost $5 million against the Trump's tour. I'm sure will appeal this civil trial verdict. Well, we got a lot to get to this hour, including more news on the fentanyl poisoning scourge. And that's what we should call it now. It's poisoning. All right. This idea of it being OD, not really. A lot of people that are ingesting the drug don't know they're taking fentanyl. They're trying to take something else. And the fentanyl dose is too strong and kills them. We're going to begin, though, by talking about what could be happening in a couple of days. On Thursday, May 11th, Title 42 officially expires. It's the public health order instituted back in 2020 when Trump was president to turn away many of the migrants because of COVID-19 concerns. There was a back and forth on this with the courts for years, and eventually Biden took over and wanted to do away with it, and then the courts kept it in place for a bit, but now it will officially end on May 11th, along with the COVID-19 national emergency. So what does this mean for the border? Uh, we heard months ago that when Title 42 expires, there's going to be a big surge of migrants because the word gets to those countries that the U.S. does not have that reason to expel you immediately anymore. And it doesn't matter whether or not it applies to you or doesn't. 
It's a garbled word. The smugglers oh, it's on distort television. it. Right. Uh, the the, the uh, cartels are actually uh, sending messages out on everybody's social media. So every single person in Central and South America know what's going on. There's right. nobody who doesn't know what's going on. If you have a TV or you have a, you have a phone, you, you've gotten the word by now. All right, so we're going to bring on Steve Gregory, who's been checking out this story, too, from the perspective of the Border Patrol. Yeah. And how confident they are when this surge may begin later this week. Steve? And, and you remember, guys, when I first got here to KFI in 05, I was thrown knee-deep into immigration immediately. Yes, I do remember. And Because uh, I was covering it for the company in, in Phoenix for five years. And the one thing that I think people don't understand into what you guys were just talking about, how the messaging is getting out there, is that the cartels actually own travel agencies and they use those as fronts. And what they do is they sell smuggling services through the front of a travel agency. So people will come into the front door of a travel agency and what they're doing is trying to get expedited um, transportation across the border. That's how sophisticated the smugglers are, the cartels are, when it comes to convincing these people that um, how simple, how easy, and how rewarding it is to uh, be smuggled into the United States. And they take out full-page ads in newspapers. I remember covering that, and my colleague, Oswaldo Reyes at KMEX, uh, he had those newspapers. We saw those ads. They were running radio spots. Mm -hmm. In South America and Central America, encouraging everyone to come to the border and how easy it was to get in. So this notion that somehow the United States government has gone down there to stop all of this, is it's not happening. And the tens and tens of millions of dollars they've been spending on some sort of counteractivity or sort of, you know, counter-marketing move, that's not working at all. Uh, they don't trust the, the U.S.'s ad campaigns. They trust the people in their own country. And that's why they prey on that. Yeah, I mean, and they're get. I mean, I, we talked yesterday with somebody from the Center for Immigration Studies, who said once a family member or a friend gets over the border and sends back selfies, yeah, that is the best advertising oh. of all because now you've got a contact and he's showing you, look, I made it, and mm -hmm. this looks like a good place to live. But as we've all been, you know, as we all know, and what I've been covering for many years is there's a really, really dangerous and deadly underbelly to all of this as well. But uh, that's more for another day. Let's get to the the border patrol as they prep for what's going on. But there's also other entities down there near the California-Mexico border that are, are faced with some potential problems. Hospitals, for instance. Um, it looks like now the hospitals are having to share duties and they're taking two-week rotations down in the San Diego area in order to take on migrants because the, the largest amount of injuries are falls from coming over the fence, cuts and scrapes as they try to sneak through the fence or through the barbed wire area, dislocated ankles and broken bones as they try to, to navigate through some of the treacherous canyons. And when they get to U.S. soil, obviously, Border Patrol takes them and puts them on an ambulance or airlifts them to the hospital. And the hospitals, which are already overrun with just all kinds of medical problems, coming post-COVID, and now they're having to figure out this rotation system where, well, for, for two weeks, Catholic Charities is going to take on all the migrant patients. Then the next two weeks is going to be Providence. And the next two weeks, that's how they have to deal with it down there to spread it out. That's how bad it's getting. And they're already declaring like um, like an emergency operations center to handle the medical calls. There's no limit to the chaos that the, the federal government's willing to put up with. Uh, I mean, they're, the local towns are overloaded, sure. right? You have El Paso, Brownsville, the mayors are screaming that we can't handle all the people living in the streets. 
The governors are shipping thousands of migrants up to Chicago and New York. And then those cities in turn are shipping the migrants to suburban towns right. outside of Chicago and New York. And it's completely out of control. But nobody wants to do anything about it. And now the Border Patrol, it, it's interesting in this, just this last year, I've noticed a more aggressive approach from the San Diego sector in terms of being more transparent about what's really going on down there. For the longest time, we were kept in the dark. We couldn't get any callbacks. We couldn't get any ride-alongs. We couldn't get anyone to do interviews. We couldn't get any of this stuff done. And now they're getting very aggressive by saying, here's what's happening. This is what's going on. Of course, they fortified the border. They're welcoming uh, the federal troops down there. Now, California, if you remember back in 2010, when Schwarzenegger sent down the National Guard, Texas and Arizona have already deployed their own National Guard on top of the federal troops. California has not done that yet. But aren't they all working as concierge clerks Well, to process people? Nobody's really actively right. stopping a significant number. Well, yeah, because the Border, uh, the border Patrol are really the only entities that can physically arrest and detain and remove and return. The the uh, National Guard, they're not trained for any of that kind of stuff. And the one thing that Congress and members of Congress don't want is that image of armed military along the border. Because then you get into the posse comitatus situation and you get into all kinds of other issues. So, But it's interesting to me because when Schwarzenegger, uh, we were the first state in the Union to send National Guard to the border. And now we will probably be the last to send our own troops down there. The feds, the feds will have some troops down there, and they won't tell us how many for security reasons. But you're right, John. When they get down there, they will be administrative. In sure, the they're all working computer terminals. They're filling out forms. And <laughs> they're processors. And the, and so the I, it makes me nuts because I can't go five minutes without seeing you know a, a graphic on cable news. It's like a National Guard yeah, uh, military, military being sent coming, to the border. Right. It's like, stop it. They're, they're sending clerks. Right. Well, that's because then the border agents that are at the terminals now, then yeah. they can get up and get out to the line. That's the idea. Right. But... They're also doing processing at the border. If somebody says asylum, you get the asylum paperwork. Well, see, those are customs agents. So the border agents themselves are the ones that are going to physically be in the dirt. They're the ones. And when, when you send the National Guard down there, the idea is and the theory is it frees them up to put more boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. Customs agents don't go out and about. Customs agents stay put already. They're in charge of the ports of entry. Right. And they're in charge of, of the asylum interviews and all that stuff. That's what they do. The Border Patrol well, what, are the physical people. What does it take to send, after they lift Prop uh, Title 42, why would they, who are they going to be throwing out? Anybody? Because yesterday we went through all the new categories Biden created right. to allow legal aliens to be legal. There's a group that are pre-legalized before they get here. There's a group that are post-legalized mm -hmm. after they get here. They've come up with new categories and new designations to kind of, to whitewash the whole system. So who's get what do you have to be to get thrown back? <laughs> well, ultimately it boils down to a customs agent interviewing interviewing you and determining that you don't qualify for asylum. And I saw that the Biden administration is trying to add new language to policy that says that um, if you did not try to apply for asylum in the most neighboring country of your country, you will not qualify for asylum in the United States. Yeah, you're supposed to register somewhere that's you're what, heading to the U.S., yeah, right? Internationally, that's what the asylum laws are supposed to be. And somehow yeah. we've, we've never implemented, we've never 
you know, held that. So they're actually going to enforce that, or is that's, that another that's uh, the thing? The last cover story. The to, last thing I heard from about the Biden administration is they were going to enforce that near countries that that you know adjacent country rule where you know because presumably asylum is if you're being you know chastised or you're being ridiculed or whatever the case is or violently threatened you're supposed to go to the nearest safe country so theoretically we shouldn't get anybody else from guatemala right honduras el Central salvador America, venezuela yeah. colombia all that stuff. they should all be going to mexico right right all right uh, stand by steve is going to be talking to us when we return about a different story we had him on a little while ago Talk about the problems with L.A. County's juvenile system. Uh, the story that Steve had then was attacks that were made on many of the employees at those facilities. The big story today is drug overdoses. We'll talk to him. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. We're on the radio from 1 until 4, and then after 4 o'clock, you can hear everything you missed. Uh, John and Ken On Demand is the name of the podcast, so you can keep up with every minute of the show every day. Steve Gregory continues with us. Yeah, about Los Angeles County's juvenile system, which is, of course, an incredible mess. And the last time we talked to him, workers were getting beaten up by some of the youth in these facilities. But now uh, we have a death of a, of an underage person that uh, Steve can talk about and add more detail to. Yeah, we just found out this morning. I had sources that uh, reached out to tell me about the death of this 18-year-old last night. Apparently, one of eight overdoses. Eight overdoses eight. last night at the Barry Nydorf Juvenile the Hall same in place. Seymour. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And apparently... Do we know if this was fentanyl or... Yes, we do, uh, according to my sources there. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we broke this story on the show a couple weeks ago about the attacks and the fact that there's um, there's no recourse for these officers. They don't have the staffing anymore to go do the searches that they used to do. And if they go in and try to search someone's room in this and a, a juvenile complains about it, then they've got an attorney in there and then it gets a it's it's a mess. And so today, uh, this morning, uh, they went in and found this 18 year old unresponsive in his dorm room at this juvenile hall in Silmar, and they applied Narcan, and it did not work, and he was pronounced dead, and they come to find out he was one of eight overdoses that had happened uh, starting last night. Uh, just in March, they found two large bundles of pills that were laced with fentanyl, and those were stuffed in under chairs. Uh, they, it, it's very clever, um, and this is part and parcel to the problem that the officers say they're having because a lot of these people that are being let out early from prison from the parole system and put into the county probation system, they bring with them a lot of these skills on how to conceal and how to sneak things in and how to transport things illegally. They ought to be doing body cavity searches. Well, that's that's unconstitutional right now. All that. Well, stuff. I guess then the, then the guys are going to die like this kid did. Right. So that's the problem. That's constitutional. Now, what's uh, on my uh, Instagram at uh, Steve Gregory 640 uh, I one of these sources had sent me a post already. It's a picture of the young man uh, who was found dead this morning along with a friend of his. And somebody, it was a friend that posted this on their social, on a social media platform. And the, the wording underneath is, this is the fault of the L.A. County Probation Oversight Commission, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors, and weak probation management Kid on the left is the minor who passed away, R.I.P. Brian. Was this stuff uh, brought in and they knew it was fentanyl? 
or they were taking another kind of pill and they didn't know there was fentanyl yeah. laced in it. That I don't know. And that's the scary part about it. And as everyone on this station has been talking about consistently, that's the danger in this, in this particular drug is it might present itself as a simple, you know, uh, you know, what was those, you know, club drugs, you know, those right. simple mollies, like you know, all that stuff too. Yeah. But for some reason they're, they're packing it with that fentanyl because it's cheaper and they, and in small quantities, you get that high. The problem is even the smallest of quantities of fentanyl um, can be fatal. And so a lot of times when these pill mills are churning out these, these, these drugs, they have no sense of how strong that stuff is in these pills. They're just mixing it and putting it out. What happened to the other seven that overdosed? I'm told that that was the only death. Now, this right. they, did they all get Narcan or? That, I, that, I'm I'm getting stuff starting to drip in slowly here for me on on this information, and perhaps after this live hit, um, I'll get some more. But um, just in February, there were two other overdoses, and they survived. They were able to get them to the hospital. And then, as I mentioned, in March, uh, during a random search, they were able to find two big bundles of these pills that look like, you know, like Skittles or M&Ms. How connected is all of this to the fact that they want to close down the whole juvenile system in L.A. County? I mean, that's kind of been the goal. Yeah, here, are, they, right? are, they, are they trying to make, you know... They want to get rid of these hate, facilities, hate right? Because, make it so inhumane there with everyone assaulting the... Probation right, dying people, from drug they're dying from drug it's overdoses. Like time to give up on this, right? Yeah, the public will throw up its hands and say, fine, you will well, close it. Now, again, the source I spoke with on tape that I played on the show here, uh, part of that theory, that prevailing theory among all the probation officers that I've spoken with is this is a slow process of the Board of Supervisors completely doing away with the probation's uh, part of enforcement in these juvenile halls in favor of this youth commission. This uh, this new L.A. County Youth Commission that's going to be the kind of hands off approach, the hugs and kisses approach. Um, that's kind of what's going on here. And the fact that the county sort of defied an order from the state to close down and said, man, we're going to give it another 30 days and see how it goes. And this is look what's happening in the 30 day window. And then they're going to reevaluate. But to your question when I speak to these sources, they tell me this is all part of a master plan to eradicate the child probation slash detention system as we know it in favor of a new youth sort of youth hands off approach that will be filled with NGOs and all these other nonprofits. All right, Steve, thank you very much for that update. Got it, guys. All right, Steve Gregory about uh, fentanyl overdoses in a juvenile facility in L.A. County which is supposedly winding down operations. And uh, again, John, this is part of the idea of, of uh, alternatives to incarceration, right? No, it's to get... Even the youngsters no, that commit some horrendous crimes should not be detained in any way. No, no, it's just abolishing it. Abolishing incarceration, abolishing consequences. That, well, the alternative it, is uh, mental health care. Oh, that, that there's no such thing. Psychologists. They don't do any... They don't... No, they're, they're, they're giving up. It's anything goes. No consequences. I'm not uh, fooled by their euphemisms. We got more coming up, uh, including another tech guy who died. This one in Santa Monica. They found his body in the courtyard of an abandoned property. He disappeared in November of 2021. 
We'll get more on the story from Blake Trolley, KFI News. Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at Legal Shield. Shield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Uh, Trump has responded. Uh, I don't know who this woman is. That is his response to the decision by a civil jury in New York City to award E. Jean Carroll nearly $5 million. There's photos of them together. I don't know who this woman is, and he is appealing. I'm looking at a photo. They're staring at each other, and and, uh, Donald's standing next to Ivana. Hmm. Oh, well. That's Trump for you. You know, enough. And, of course, he claims it's done by a Democrat city full of Trump haters. It was all rigged, this trial. (laughs) Rigged. There has got to be, there must be, I am asking the world here, 
<laughs> two new candidates, not Trump and Biden. Two so many new people candidates. who agree with you. Every poll says well, not again. All right, yeah. I mean, most people don't want Trump on his side. Most people don't want Biden on his side. Well, then let's vote for other people in these primaries. Other people have to run. And it's no, all rigged. By the parties. Oh, come on. You know, there's there's recent precedent for this. Remember when, uh, you know, we thought we were going to have another Bush-Clinton race? Yeah. And we ended up with only half of that, and then Trump took care of Hillary Clinton. You don't have to have these people anymore. There's no law that says we got to have Joe Biden and Donald Trump as the, as the two uh, candidates. All right. Also, coming up in the next segment, we'll bring you another piece of breaking news this afternoon. Tucker Carlson will be back with a live show on Twitter. How's that? Uh, we'll tell you more about that coming up in uh, about 10 minutes. Right now, we have a, a bizarre story of another uh, tech person whose body has been found. This man disappeared back in November of 2021. The CEO of something called Sober Grid, which was an app to help people connect and they have problems staying sober, a digital health app. The founder's name is Bo Mann. We're going to bring on Blake Trolley from KFI News with more about what <laughs> so, happened then and what we know now. So, Blake, this guy calls for an Uber ride and then disappears. Yeah, guys, there's a lot of mystery uh, surrounding this case. The last place Bo Mann was seen was at a 7-Eleven in Studio City back in 2021. This was not a late-night Uber ride. This was not a 1, 2 a.m. Uber ride. This was a 2 p.m., so broad daylight Uber ride. Surveillance video uh, picks him up buying a few items, including ice. He then, according to records, gets into an Uber. Uh, information shows he's dropped off in Santa Monica, but that is essentially where he disappears. The LAPD has confirmed in an interview last year that a 911 text was made shortly after he left that 7-Eleven. And to give you guys just a, a map here, that 7-Eleven is in Studio City. So this would have been a ride from Studio City to Santa Monica. And again, the last place he was seen was the, you know, the surveillance video or the footage from that 7-Eleven. What's the 911 uh, content? Yeah, a 911 text from the Uber? I'm trying to get more. I'm trying to get more information on that. I've actually reached out to LAPD for that. There hasn't been a whole lot released on that. I'm also trying to figure out because, as officers say, they tried to, you know, contact him after he made that initial contact to 911. They say that nobody responded. So I've, well, you know since asked well what exactly did you do did you trace the phone i want to know exactly what did they track the uber track the uber like. driver so so just to push this forward guys um you know that again that's really where the last of anybody had seen bo man his family uh is worried about foul play they say especially given the fact that he was buying ice uh, that has them thinking he was definitely planning to go home. Now, Bowman's fiance, who lives in Michigan, initial uh, he filed the first missing persons report after a few days of not being able to get a hold of man. They were in a distance relationship, like most distant relationships. Of course, they're sending texts, they're making phone calls. He had last spoke with man the night before man disappeared. So after a few days go by, uh, man's fiance uh, files a missing persons report with the LAPD sends man's assistant with an officer to man's apartment and man was not found until of course a few days ago his remains or i should say last month his remains were found at an abandoned uh property in santa monica uh, i want to go to bite one santa monica police lieutenant erica kluvey gave us details about that discovery they, it was a skeleton um, and they were located uh 
it's a it's an interesting property. It's um it's a pretty large property that's all abandoned. The on the Santa Monica side, it's uh, storefronts uh, that are not occupied, and then in the back area, off of um, an alley that runs um, north of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, like parallel to it, there's um, a, a an apartment building, a very small apartment building, and then some bungalows in the back and some other outbuildings that create a courtyard, and it's got you know greenery around it. So it's not nothing's visible from the the outside uh, looking into it. Um, and again, it's it's all been fenced off since it's been abandoned. But his his remains were found inside that that courtyard area. All right, but it, so now, he, he calls an Uber, and then he's texting nine one one inside the Uber. So they must have talked to the driver. Why did he feel in danger while he was being driven? And that's what I'm trying to figure out. I know his fiance has, you know, ha he has his suspicions about that Uber driver uh, or about that Uber ride. Uh, I want to go to bite two. Kluby says detectives, they're going to be looking into that Uber ride. So we're going to be looking into every single avenue. And that's one of the, the lines of uh, investigation that our detectives will go down along with anything else that might pop up in the intervening time we will make sure to exhaust whatever information that we have. So it seems like it seems like his body was dumped there and that whoever dumped it knew that was an abandoned area and that nobody was going to find the body for a long time. You know, one of the things I wonder is how nobody spotted it, though, given the fact that there were apartments and bungalows. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, all of it, as she said, was abandoned and was fed. Well, did, they, did they tell uh, you where the remains were specifically? Were, were they at yeah, they were in the courtyard. So so that property that she was describing with the storefront, they were in kind of a grassy area, you know, so it sounds like there was some growth because, again, this is an abandoned property in the courtyard and his remains uh, were there. Now, I did reach out to Uber about that ride. Uber says the trip ended with no incident reported to Uber. They said their record showed the driver immediately picked up the next rider they're deferring uh any other details to law enforcement but as you heard right there from santa monica police they are going to be looking in to that uber ride but again guys just a lot of mystery uh you know on this whole case and um and and one thing one thing that i've thought about is you know i know his family is pointing to the fact that he was buying ice and you know that that points to him going home uh, but that was studio city he lives in brentwood so that you know that is still a little bit of a ride and that to me at least adds a little bit of mystery there. And I think there's just so many questions to have answered. I think part of the issue with this investigation is that they did find these remains as skeletal. He was ID'd by dental records. So again, there's no body to really show, you know, any sort of trauma or, you know, anything of that nature. Well, so whoever uh, another... dumped the body knew that would be a perfect place that no one was going to find for quite some time. And, and one thing to point out, too, guys, is that the investigation, as Santa Monica police uh, it, it described to me, has just begun. Um, essentially, you know, they they have this record that he was dropped off in Santa Monica and, and hadn't been heard from. But as it's been described to me, now that the remains were found, now the investigation really kicks in. But again, as you say, John, yeah, dropped off in an area, of course, where nobody saw him for, you know, now we're going on almost two years uh, it's it's been quite some time, and uh, I think it's gonna that's gonna definitely add some challenges. Given that this was a uh, a skeleton, I saw one interview. Somebody said that uh, they saw people taking the remains away, folding the body bag, meaning you know this had to have been just down to its skeletal remains. Yeah. But uh, a lot of questions. Yeah. All right, Blake. Thank you very much.
All right, thanks, guys. Blake Trolley, KFI News, covering the latest story of a tech exec, probably murder. This is a man by the name of Bowman, who was the uh, CEO of something called SoberGrid, which was a health app for people suffering from sobriety issues with drugs and alcohol. Don't know whether or not it was connected to that at all or what, but he disappeared at the, at the near the end of 2021. They just found his body a month or so ago in Santa Monica in an abandoned building area. More coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Coming up after 3 o'clock, Alex Stone again. Is this right? Alex Stone. Oh, there's an update. A big oh, update. Oh, there is an update. A big update on oh, the... Oh, uh, yeah. A lot uh, more information came out about the shooter in Texas. Okay. In the All right. Yes. There's You're been... not reading some old story, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe. No, there's more on his ID, ID, ID I had, his background that came out. Oh, I thought I had yesterday's sheets mixed up with today's sheets, so. No, no. Stories do have updates, John, sometimes, yes. Well, thank you very much. Although, you know, your rule is we should wait three days on anything. So we shouldn't talk about anything for three days until we I, know no. how it really. You can talk about it. I don't believe anything for three days. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, we have a bit of breaking news this afternoon. We've been following the saga of Fox News and Tucker Carlson, who they let go a couple of weeks ago. And he made an announcement uh, today. Here's a part of the, uh, the announcement. As of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter, where we are now. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. Twitter is not a partisan site. Everybody's allowed here, and we think that's a good thing. And yet, for the most part, the news that you see analyzed on Twitter comes from media organizations that are themselves thinly disguised propaganda outlets. You see it on cable news. You talk about it on Twitter. The result may feel like a debate, but actually the gatekeepers are still in charge. We think that's a bad system. We know exactly how it works, and we're sick of it. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. We bring some other things too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. See you soon. Probably not a surprise then. Elon Musk uh, taking over Twitter and, of course, uh, making a lot of noise about the lack of free speech and... Uh, Probably aligning more with Tucker Carlson's opinions on a number of issues. So, How does a long-form video program work on Twitter? How, look at that. Eric Sklar is here to explain. <laughs> our, our, our Duke of Sports. Well, Duke of Twitter here. Yes, Duke of Twitter here. Uh, so basically, you can subscribe to Twitter Blue, which is the new subscription service that Elon doled out once he took over Twitter and bought it and all of that. And basically, once you subscribe to Twitter Blue pay the i think it's like 9.99 a month or whatever it is you can post videos up to about 60 minutes long or the file size has to be about two gigabytes so it can be longer than 60 minutes as long as the file size is under two gigabytes so my guess is here tucker has enough money to hire a staff build a studio create a show he can post that video because he subscribes to twitter uh twitter blue he can post that video as long as it doesn't go over the file size requirements, and it can be about a 60-minute video, 60-minute show. 
Yeah, he has uh, he has a studio in Maine. He's worked out of Maine for about three years, I think. Yeah, so Maine. Down, down the block from his home. Yeah, he's almost never in New York or Washington. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked Maine. Wow. Uh, yeah, he, he lives out in the it's woods. It's a little cold up there, yeah. yeah. So Bernie uh, Sanders. He, he's got the studio, and he probably has a staff. And Twitter, uh, Twitter has monetization on the site if you have a certain amount of followers and all of that type of stuff and meet a right. certain, certain amount of requirements. And then, obviously, the Twitter blue factors into, I think, being able to have more subscribers and all of that type of stuff and perks. So, right. yeah, he, he can just charge people a subscription fee monthly to subscribe to his Twitter account. On top of the Twitter blue fee. Yeah. Well, he pays the Twitter blue fee. I see. And then Twitter, like people on Twitter can pay him to see oh, okay. the show. So I wouldn't have to pay Twitter blue to watch his show, but no. I would have to pay him to watch his show. Yes. I see. Because as a subscriber, you can post different content for your subscribers and for your non-subscribers. So he could post the video and only his subscribers would see it. None of his non-subscribers would see it. So it would look exactly like his Fox television show on a screen. Realistically, yes. Yeah, if he's doing it from the same studios. This is a stupid question, but understand I am uh, I'm very primitive when it comes to understanding technology. <laughs> you said it, not so, me. So, all right, you know, I am. I am. But, uh, um, so, I, I mean, I could watch. If I wanted to watch them, I could watch them on the iPhone or the iPad. Could I uh, work it on the smart TV? Is there a Twitter app if yes. you that? I was going to say, yeah, probably if you have, like, a Google app on, like you could go to the internet on your smart TV. Oh right, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's a Twitter app for smart TVs currently, but that could change. Right. Okay. And it probably will, considering. Well, then you know that this is, kind of investment that that is going to be the new wave for I think a lot of personalities who don't want to put up with uh, all the rules and the censorship and the nonsense of, of networks of, of, of other networks. Employers, yeah, right. I mean, no, nobody needs that. <laughs> Well, this will just make the Twitter followers who were used to what the more progressive uh, San Francisco banks to <laughs> uh, have they been? Le I'm not keeping track. Are they losing a lot of uh, Twitter uh, people uh, since I, Musk took over? And I, I don't know. I'm not. I sure mean, about he fired two thirds of the staff. Actually, like. it's up to ninety percent. The staff is now ten percent of what it used to be. Oh, it's only ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah. So, oh you, you, what were they doing? They 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 they, they all worked in the censorship department. Right, because I'm starting to read stories about other uh, startups that are attracting yeah. people, other Twitter-like social media. Yeah, it's uh, a chicken and egg thing because you could go to a startup, but then you'll have to have everybody else in the world go there too. Otherwise, you don't have an audience. Yeah. You know, you're you're posting to yourself. There's one that, what's the one I've been hearing about? Maybe Eric knows that they screen people to become a, is it called Blue Star, Blue something? Or no, not Blue. It's got some, it's been in the news a lot lately. And you, you're Blue Sky. Blue Sky, that's yes. it, Blue Sky. Right. I heard that one is starting a, to gain some momentum. There's another one called Mastodon. I see some journalists have Mastodon. announced they, they have, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of these little startups, but you need a critical mass to get an audience. Twitter still has the biggest audience. All right, when we return, Alex Stone, John, will be returning to the John and Ken show. There was an update today in the mass shooting that occurred in Texas over the weekend um, that killed eight people. He'll give us the details. John and Ken, KFI, AM640. We're live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live on the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.